Welcome to track number one, The Secrets of the Anointed and His Anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great opportunity that we have in you. We ask you to guide us and lead us by the Holy Spirit into all of your perfect will. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your will that is being done in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen, we are here because um, I really felt in my heart that we should have a camp to help us to see the vision that we are working towards together. Amen. Amen. And we should have a vision, all of us working with the same mind. Amen. Amen. And the mind is a very serious mind. Okay? One day somebody came to uh, be with me. Uh, I've not been with him for some time. And then he said, one of the things that he learned or that he saw was that we were happy and we were having fun as we were serving God. Now, one of the things is that people feel that if you are serving God, you must be either sad or depressed, or you must be very strict, or you must look strict and unhappy always. But that is not the case. You can be happy and laughing and doing very serious things at the same time. Alright? So, I want you to have in your minds and in your hearts the reality that we can do great things and very serious things. Because, you know, I'm always serious. It's you who are always laughing. But I'm serious. What I'm, what I'm doing, I'm serious. I don't, I don't think we can be doing all the things we are doing. How many are enjoying our beautiful campus? Yeah. How many? We, cannot, we cannot be doing the things that we are doing if we are not serious. So we must be serious. But at the same time, we are happy. Yeah, why not? Why shouldn't we have kebab when we come to church? 
If you don't like it, it's your problem. Do you understand? But we are, we are very serious about what we are doing. So, as we are all here together, um, flowing around in the first lab church and so on, we must have a very serious vision that is underlying everything that we are doing. For instance, when we go to uh, for a carnival, we will be dancing or playing some music. You may think that we are not even spiritual. Is it not true? But we are very serious. And what we are doing is intentional. Do you understand? So, what I'm trying to say is that the fact that you are serious does not mean that you shouldn't be happy. And the fact that you are happy does not mean that you shouldn't be serious. So you can be happy and serious. Do you see? At the same time. Are you with me? So I want us to have a very serious vision of 1,000 children of God in the first last church. Now, do you believe that 1,000 students on campus can come to church at the first lecture? Do you believe believe that it's possible? Yes. It is possible. Alright? And so, that is the aim of what we are doing. People may think we are just dancing. Or we are just making kebab. But we are serious. This is our underlying seriousness there. You get it? And under, under all that we are doing is this clear vision that we want to build a big church with at least 1,000 people who have come to church on Sunday morning for one service. Hallelujah. So, we have, we have, we have come here for today and uh, for this camp because I want us to have this vision burned into our hearts. You know, because your vision is what drives you and makes you to do what you need to do. And without a vision, you're sort of aimless. If you sit into a car, sit in a car and you start driving, and somebody asks, where are we going? So, I don't know. I'm just driving. You can easily drive over the mountain. And you're just going around and around and around and around and around. So, a lot of visionless people are going around in circles. So, I want you to be not a person without a vision, but a person with a vision. A vision is a good thing. You know, when you have a vision, you get it. You don't always say, when I sit with you, I have a vision, you know. But the vision you have guides you. Now, there are some ladies who have a vision to, to marry. It's true. And every vision, every vision, you, you, sometimes you can have several visions. I forgot your name. Clara, yeah. Okay, I'll come back. Now, every vision, you see, have other sister visions. 
You can have a brothers, brothers and sisters of the main vision. But when you meet a sister with a vision to marry as her number one vision, you will see her making certain moves. It's true. And, and I have noticed that such people marry. They marry in a certain way, sometimes a bit surprising. You know, the way they just marry. So, yeah. They, they, they would, they, sometimes they can, they, because it's their number one vision, they sacrifice other visions. Like a woman who is determined to marry as a number one vision, you'd be surprised that she will sacrifice her Christianity. Oh yeah. Serious, she's got an unbeliever and says, well, ask me, I want to marry and this guy is serious, whatever, and his marriage is coming. So, it's, 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 a, it's a vision. I want to marry and have children. This is what I want to do. Yeah, they're starting like masters or this. No, no, no. It's his number one vision and then they, they've done it. And now at marriage. Marriage or suicide. And I, I've seen a number of sisters like that. It, I mean, it's not so, so common, but uh, you can see them. This is their goal. It's their vision. I'm doing it. I want it. And this is it. Yeah. And, and so sometimes they would, they would mention other visions they have, like, want to work for God, I want to do, but it's not really true. You know, it's not really. The main thing is, the main thing is to marry. No, I've been, I've been, I've been, well, I was 25 years old when I became a pastor. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50. So I've been doing it for 25 years. So I'm, I must have seen a number of things. Isn't it? Yeah. And even those who were so spiritual before, when they got married, and then the spirituality flew away. Oh! And, and when a woman has a vision to marry seriously, sometimes they don't even just sleep around. Because that's not what they want. They know what they want. And they, would, they would tell the, the brothers, I know you just sleep with me and leave me. You are not, you are not serious. They know you, you are not serious. You are not serious. You are not serious. They know because it's a vision. It's something they've thought through. Yeah. It's not, they just don't want to just be going around. It's when you don't have a vision. You know, then you do a lot of things like that. When you have a vision, you'll be surprised. It makes you do your things in a certain way. Because you want to. So, those who really have that vision and dream, they really play the cards in a certain way. So, all of us have our number one vision. And that number one vision is the underlying and unspoken reason for a lot of things. Are you with me? So, when it comes to the church work, there must be an underlying vision. And that underlying vision will make us behave in a certain way. So, I want us to have that vision, okay, very deeply in our hearts. A vision to build a big church. You see, a big church, a mega church, is important because when you have a mega church, you know, I can give you 25 quick reasons. 
why, what an advantage there would be if we could have a, big, a mega church, a first lap church. Let me, I, I will just do that so that you don't um, forget it. Are you there? Right. Why we must have a mega church in the first love church, okay? Thousand members. Thousand. Number one is because that's the most appropriate vision for a church. Amen. That is the most appropriate vision for a church. What other vision should we have? We want to be the most colorful church. We want to outdo others. No. These are not good visions. Your vision must be is because it's the most appropriate vision. Amen. Amen. Then number two, it is because the first love church must be huge because when we're going to have a mega church, alright, the desire for that mega church will lead us on the right journey. Amen. Once that desire is in you, it will lead you on the right journey. Okay? It will lead you on the right journey. That's why we want to have a vision for a mega church. Because it will lead you on the right journey. If you have a vision to marry, it will lead you on a, on a journey. Is it not true? And that journey may be good or bad. Depending on that strong vision that you have. Alright? So, as a church, a goal must always be to set a number of people that we want to see in the church. That's why we are setting a number. Because because of our current number. Isn't it? And so it's reachable. Do you understand? So every pastor must set a number. If you don't have a number, it's not clear that that is the vision. It's just like people say, I must be married by the age of 25. People have these visions. And, and when, a, when, a, when a lady has a general vision, I want to be married in life. But when you see someone, who, she will not say it openly, but it is in her heart. By 25, I, I should be married. You, you will see certain moves. The dressing. And the reason why I say that is because for being around for 25 years and pastoring a church, I know a lot of people who marry. And they don't look like how you look now at home. In their houses. Even, so, even when they come sometimes to church so that they don't even do their hair. Yeah. Because they already got married and they lost the motivation. It's almost like their blood has been taken out of them. I'm telling you. That they don't even do their hair anymore. 
Are you there or you are going home? Mission accomplished. And they switch off. All the engines are off. And when you have arrived at the house, you turn the engine off. I'm home. Is it not amazing? So, once this vision is there, our engines will be on. We will be doing things that lead the church to grow. Number three. We must have a bigger church because it is the prophetic destiny. Amen. Prophetic. It has been prophesied that the end will greatly increase. Job chapter 8 verse 7. Job 8 verse 7. It says, and everybody turn with me to Job 8. I'll give you some time to find Job because I know it's not easy to find. Have you found it? What does it say? Amen. Is it a good prophecy? Although your beginning is small, your latter end greatly increase. So that's how every church is. The beginning is small, but the latter end will greatly increase. And so those who want to do the work of God and begin big, they can never start the work of God. Do you know that I came to Legon to start this church? Right? Yeah. And we met in a, on a bench under the chemistry building where, they were, where, they are, where it's finished now. But at that time they were building it. Yeah. With two members. This same first love church. So, the beginning is always small. But the latter end has been predicted that it will be bigger. So, why not go towards the prediction? Amen. And why let us not be discouraged by the beginnings? Amen. So, I want us to have that vision that God has promised something. That although your beginning is small, your latter end will greatly increase. Number four, Next, the first love church must be a big church because 
We must not be deceived into thinking that the work is done on campus. Amen. You see, we must not be deceived into thinking that the work of God has been done. Everybody is in a church. Isn't it? Everybody is born again in the world. It is in your world that everybody is born again. But in the world, everybody is not born again. Discos are growing. Nightclubs are growing. <coughs> huh? Discos have started opening branches. <coughs> yeah. So, your world is born again world. But this, the real world, many, many people don't know God. And are not serving God. So, you, you, after center, everybody you know is a Christian. So, you lose the vision for a big church. Or for a mega church. You understand? Yeah. Because you are so used that everybody says, Hallelujah, Amen. Let's pray about it. And so on. So, you think everybody is a believer. But the real world is not like that. Christians are few. Christians are very few. Okay? And non-Christians are far more than Christians. And most people are not saved. Rather are waiting. And in fact, cannot easily be saved after this campus. Yeah. Take it from me. People don't easily change after school. Even when it comes to non-spiritual things, people don't change by a certain point. When you meet somebody who is NPP, you can explain everything about NDC. You will never change. That's why sometimes when I see them campaigning, I feel they are wasting their money. Because all those who vote NDC have already decided, and those who vote NPP have already decided. All the arguments they are having are not going to change anybody's mind. People don't change by a certain point. It is younger, 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 younger people who can change their minds. So the same thing goes to salvation. When you are a little older, you cannot easily be saved. Because to change your mind, no. So, in fact, if we lose the opportunity to win people, we are going to be making a big mistake. So Matthew 9, 37 says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are... And has it changed? Has not changed. Even in the first love church, the laborers are few. Those who are actually working are few. I was talking to the, the leader of the Selassie, the leader of the culinary ministry. And I was asking whether people are helping. And I found out that most people are not really helping. 
He's the, the one doing all the work. Go here, come here, go here, come here, go here. That is how the church is. So you see a lot of people, but few people are working. That is why when you are an employer, you are always wise to keep your employees to the lowest possible level. Because the more they are, the less they work. Yeah. Sometimes you see a lot of people, but few are working. So amongst us, that's why I threw out the invitation. If you can come to the camp, come. Because there are people due to boyfriends, girlfriends, they don't go to school. They cut lectures. Even this morning, somebody is in a clinic doing an abortion. This morning. Yeah. Not, not that they say, I, I remember one of our doctors was explaining to me how students, you see, come for their abortions. Yes. And not even students far away, but students that we know. They come for their abortion from the clinic. Do you get it? So as we are here, somebody says, oh, I can't come, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. When it's time to abort, you have time. And you, you know where to go, how to go, what to do, and then still do your exam. Nobody knows. When you see a lady who is now coming to have a baby, they write what? P and then what at the top? Zero plus. <laughs> Zero plus. Yeah. Do, do you understand it? I need just a P. I need a P. Is there any P here? Oh, chapel. You see, when they write the woman's name, like if you give your name at the clinic, they write your name, okay? And then they write, Amatazan. G1. And then P0 plus 4. P0 plus, they write it small at the top. P then zero plus three. <laughs> Do you understand what it means? G stands for what? You said the right G. The G what? G means how many number of times you've gotten pregnant. No. No. Yes, so then on the right, G, what? G1. Yes. No, no, that's the number of times you've gotten pregnant with a baby. That's gravity. Let's say five. So you have gravity. The number of times you've gotten pregnant, gravity at five. G5. Yes, G5. Then, then P stands for what? The number of babies you've actually pushed out. <laughs> so that's, so that the, so the gravity is always more than the parity. So let's say you're, you're, this is your third baby, but you have three children already there. So you, you two children already, you say you're gravid at three para two. So you have three, this is your third pregnancy, but you have two children, and you're about to push your third one out. Two. Yes. But when you have gravid at five, <laughs> para zero. <laughs> then plus five. That means you've gotten, you've gotten pregnant. 
Sorry, that means you've gotten pregnant. You've gotten pregnant five times, but have no children. Then they will now explain why you have no children. So, so you have P zero, zero plus, plus five. You can have P zero plus three. So when you go to the hospital, you will not know what they are right. So P zero plus three. Small at the top there. Gravita, they write G G three. Yeah, yes, G three. And then P zero, zero plus, plus three. three. That means you be you, or maybe G four. This G4. is your fourth pregnancy. Your fourth pregnancy. And then P zero plus three. No, this is your fourth pregnancy. So you, this is your third zero plus three. What? That means the three that came before this particular fourth yeah. pregnancy. We can't find them. <laughs> so, so there are two reasons. There are two reasons why we can't find. There are usually two reasons why we usually can't find the pregnancy. Either you got pregnant and through, due to natural causes the baby died, or which is spontaneous abortion. Or there is another one called induced abortion. That means you did something about the pregnancy that we can't find. Okay. All right. I'm just making that point that some people may say, I cannot. But as they are this morning, today is what? Wednesday. Right now you see there are clinics. They'll ask you, what work do you do? So I'm a student. At which university? Lagos. Then they will write the pregnancy. They have a way to write it because they have sometimes they have to know. Especially if you are going to have a baby, how many times and so on. So you see, they write the P. One plus three, or zero plus three. And nutrients uh, the three are gone. Three came but went. Whilst you were having lectures. Whilst you were having IAs. So, don't tell me you cannot labor for God. You can. If we are going to have a mega church, it means we are going to attend to the work that has to be done, which few people are doing. And I will encourage you to be one of the laborers who will work for God in your lifetime. Never be in this church as a bystander, as someone who is making light of the work of God. Yes, if you are here, work for God. Be serious, be happy, but be serious. Amen. Amen. Everything that even your body needs every pleasure. We have it in Christ. And I'm telling you, every pleasure that you can imagine, there is a Christian version. We have a Christian version of music. Whether it's jazz, rocky, hoppy, poppy. Every type, we have reggae music, we, we have everything. We have dancing in Christ. We have relationship between boys and girls. We have it in Christ. We have some in Christ. That is why in the church we use the term beloved. 
Because it's to distinguish the type of relationship which you call my girlfriend or my boyfriend. She's my girlfriend. She's my boyfriend. That is why we disbanded that term 25 years ago. 28 years ago. Yeah. And we use another term. We use other terminology. And that terminology is beloved because it is in Song of Solomon. My beloved is mine and I am my beloved. Oh, my beloved, stand not up my love before the time. So we have Christian version. We have Christian version of falling in love. And we have even songs about falling in love. We have songs about falling in love. Sing one line for me. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I ever done. Sing it again, I'm falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I ever done. Come on, sing it one more time so that the world will be jealous of us. Hallelujah. So we have everything in Christ. Sex, if you want to have sex, we have it in Christ. We have it in Christ. If you want to have sex under a coconut tree, we have it in Christ. We have it in Christ. What a shock! If you want to have sex, in the moonlight. We have it in Christ. If you want to have sex in a hotel. We have it in Christ. There is nothing that we don't have in Christ. If you want to jump like a frog. We have it in Christ. There is nothing that we don't have in Christ. We have everything. 
and the world is jealous of us. We are not jealous of them. They are jealous of us. Yes, what a shock. for him we can be happy. Amen. Amen. Number five, why we should have a mega church in the first love church is because, alright, it is God's will that his house should be filled. Isn't it true? What did he say? He said, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Luke 14 verse 23. Luke number, chapter 14 verse 23. Amen. Amen. That my house may be filled. God wants his house to be filled. And God who gives us all good things has a desire. Wouldn't you want to do something for the one you know, when you want to buy a present for somebody, okay, and you sometimes don't know what the person wants. Do you get it? Isn't it nice to know what the person wants? And then suddenly, let's get that particular thing from the person, for the person, isn't it? So that's how God is, what God is doing. He's showing you what he wants for a birthday present. He said that my house may be filled. I wish my house would be full. The football stadiums are full. The discos are full. The shopping malls are full. What about my house? Is my house empty? So, if this is what God wants, why don't we do something for God? Why don't we give ourselves to God? So, at the first love church, we want to give ourselves to God. And we want to campaign for His house to be filled. Whilst others are spending all their life and their money fighting like demons over issues which are not true. They themselves know they are not true. Let us give ourselves to fight 
for the wishes of our Heavenly Father. He said that, I, that my house may be filled. That my house may be, I want my house to be filled. Amen. Number six. We must have a big church because our harvest field is the whole wide world. And the whole world on campus. Anybody who is a student. And how many students are there in this school? Huh? 50,000? 45,000? 25,000? Yeah. 25,000 people in the school. I mean, if there are 25,000 people in the school, and I'm telling you that our vision is to have 1,000 children of God. It's even small. Yeah. You see, I told you, you think that the harvest has been completely finished. If you go around and you add all the churches, 60 people, 50, 20, 40, and then when you add it, how, how, how many is it? You'll be surprised that it will, it will, not, be, it will not be up to 2,000 people who are going to church on Sunday. Yeah. So, you see, it, it, is, it is bad leaders who focus on what they can see. But a good leader has a statistical department and looks at statistics and data. Data and statistics are more uh, important for a leader than any other kind of information. Your pleasant face that is smiling, okay, is not good information. The data on you. How many times you've been to a camp? How many times you have not been to a camp? How long you pray? How often you do pray? How often you come to church? How often you are not around? Those kind of statistics. How many boyfriends have you had? How many girlfriends have you had? How many abortions have you had? Do you understand? How many people have you slept with? These are all important statistics that are more important than your smiling, beautiful face, my dear. Or your hair. The data. If our government were to use data or information, do you get it? They would have provided a water system on campus better than they have provided. Yeah, instead of destroying all the courtyards with these huge water tanks. They would have provided a way of making water run. If the governments which are campaigning today were using data and statistics, they would be far better leaders than they are. Do you understand? Because we have very, very poor leaders. If our leaders were to, to be given grades in exams, most, most of them would not get more than 20% at for leadership. They would get they would get marks. They would get marks for having been to school. They would get marks for being having a BA degree in this BSc, masters, PhD, doctors of this and that. And they they would get marks for all that. They would get marks for uh, political campaign and impressing people and telling people to vote for them and going around and all that. But marks that you get for leading us well most of them will get less than 
Why? We, we, are, we are in Ghana. 54 years have gone by since we took over the reins of our own affairs. In the capital city, statistically, all right, statistically, right, there is no running water in the city. There's no running water in, in Adenta. You, are you not in Ghana? There's no running water in, in East Legon. Where Nana Akufuado lives. There's no water at all in Ashoman. There's not even a pipe in Ashoman. There's no water in Teshi. There's no water in Labadi. Spintex Road, there's no water. Magina, there's no water. Where else? Nungwa, there's no water. Ashalibotre, there's no water. So where is the water? And we have people, we have a ministry called Ministry of Water Resources and something. So the person who is there should resign tomorrow. But he will not resign. He will be there and there is somebody above him. And years and years go by and they keep on having such people. If you take a minister of highways and roads and whatever, most of the roads in the city have, have not been done. It's just the main roads that have been done. Most of the roads have not been done. There's no road from here to Kumasi even. 20th century. You cannot get a good road to go. And so on and so forth. So, leadership, while they sit in the castle or wherever they are, the road from the castle straight in front of them is done. When the three doctors died uh, some few years ago, about four or five years ago, right, and President Kufo was going to visit the widow of one of them. I think he visited all the widows. So he was going to visit the widow of one of them, and one of them stayed at Dansoman. And the road to that place was so bad, and they came to grade the road because the president was coming to visit that widow. So what I'm saying is, statistically, if they were to sit in the castle and look at the statistics, that look at the state of Accra by statistics, then they will have the right motivation and not just be motivated if there's a funeral, let's grade the road. Is this even the road to Professor Mills' house, uh, village, on the road to uh, Cape Coast, there's a small bypass there. They've just graded it when they have the funeral or whatever. Well, what are all these? So that everybody has to die before you come and do this road. So, so we too, we too, we don't, we, we don't have to sit down. We have to use statistics and know that there are 25,000 people here. They don't have to say, oh, a lot of people have come to church. Oh, the church is big. Oh, and we are happy. Oh, we are singing well. Or whatever. You have to also look at statistics. Otherwise, we become just like they are. We'll be praising ourselves when we shouldn't praise ourselves at all. If they are bold, they should come and sit down for us to ask questions. Yes. Are you with me? Yeah. So let us also not fall into the same thing. Why you see that we all sit back as if there is no work to be done. When actually, it's actually there's nothing done. Yeah, because to me, to me, if you are leading Ghana, you cannot make water run in the city. Meanwhile, we have a lake, the largest man-made lake in the world, just here, across from here. And we, as if we have been commissioned to fill the sea with water. So the lake is filling the sea. Do you understand? Thousands and millions of dollars every second. We are feeling that all the fresh water that we need is there. But it's like the sense or the ability to organize whatever to come this way is not ability, ability is finished. 
Hey, I'm a boy. Or even a pipe. Even a pipe. There's no pipe. You get it? So, statistically, you, if you look at the statistics of the leadership of a country, then you will really be able to say that these are bogus leaders. Bogus. Yeah. Bogus because you are given a currency. One dollar is one CD. Then, after you rule for 40 years, one dollar is 10,000 CDs. When I was once in Argentina, you know, I was going to the airport. There was a strike. They blocked all the roads to the airport. So I said, what is going on? So when we go, so we can't pass. Who here? Who here? I'm going to be late for my flight. They have blocked people. They blocked their own strike. I said, why? Because the currency has been devalued. And I said, by how, how, by how much? I said, oh, it was one. It has become two. One to two. One to three. One to three. I said, wow. You should have been in Ghana, you will see one to three thousand. Or, if you had been in Zimbabwe, one to million. In my wallet, I have one billion dollars notes. I have even ten billion dollars. And then I have ten trillion dollars. One day I'll show you. Ten trillion dollars. Zimbabwean dollar notes. One billion dollar note. Yeah. Ten billion. And the person who printed it has probably been to London School of Economics, has been to whatever university, has a PhD, the head of the bank of, 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 of the country. And you print money to the tune of ten billion dollar notes. And you use it to buy bread. One, ten billion, one bread for ten billion dollars. What? I'm explaining something. Oh. When you look statistically, you see that these people are bogus leaders. They are in, even in Ghana. Whatever, let me tell you something. No matter which government, NDC, MPP, or DDT, if whoever they are, don't listen to their economic policies again. Eh? I'll show you, I'll show you what to look at. Should I tell you what to look at? There is something that never lies. Do you want to know that economic thing that, it never lies. That's what you should look at. That will let you know whether it's a good government or not. And it is the exchange rate. The exchange rate is not controlled by them. They can figure, fiddle with all the figures and tell you our GDP is this. We are the fastest growing economy. We have because all those things is just, you change this percentage to this, then we become 6.2%. Or any, but what never lies is the exchange rate because that one is from outside you, you have your city, your currency is forced to be at the real level because nobody will give you a real dollar for a city that is nothing. Uh-huh. So the exchange rate doesn't lie. When you look at it, you see the truth. No matter how, what they talk, when you look at the dollar rate, then you see that, ah. So every country, you can see how useless the economy is by the rate. So you see how useless Ghana's economy was by when our money was one CD to, to 10,000. Now if you go to uh, every country, you can ask dollar to what? Dollar to what? Then you know 
the, the value of the currency. So if you say dollar to euro, it's like one point something. Dollar to pound is one point something. Okay, when you, as soon as you enter Africa, okay, it changes from one to, let's say, hundred and something. In, in Nigeria, is how much? 162. You see, because of the oil, the economy is stronger. So the 162 is better than the 9,000. Uh-huh. So it has some value, you see, compared to the 1 to 10,000. Then when you go to Kenya, it's 1 to 80 something, or so, like that, different countries. Then when we come to Ghana, it was 10,000 then. So we just reorganized ourselves and we came back to 1 to 1. And then we have already started. Yeah. We are already 1 to 2. Anyway, all I'm saying is that it is easy to sit in your castles and praise yourself when actually the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. So it's easy to look at it. But when you start counting, you'll be sad with the real. If Ghana leaders were to start counting, truly, they will, they will re- all of them will resign and say, we have made a strong case for recolonization of Ghana by the white man. We have made the, the thing we have proved most by being independent for 50 years is our need to be colonized. And they will resign. If they were to look at the facts. Yes. And then the white people will say that we can't colonize you again. Hey, we are tired. We are also tired of colonizing. Every day colonization. We are tired. Colonize yourselves. It's true. They say, Charlie, we too, we can't colonize. We have enough problems in our, our country. But you can never know that by looking at our parliament, looking at Osua Street, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Woodin, Woodin Shop, Accra Mall, and all these things that we have in Ghana can never show you how, how, how bogus the leadership is. How useless it is. Yeah, you can't know when you see a crowd more. Oh, Ghana is nice. Look at La Palm. Look at uh, this hotel, Moven Pig. This, oh, Ghana is really. That's not the statistics. The statistics, let's go. Is there water in Labadi? Is there water in Teshi? Is there water in Nungwa? Is there water in Asoma? Is there water in Adenta? Is there water everywhere? Is there water? There's still running water. I saw, they say one in five Ghanaians, one in five Ghanaians, only one in five Ghanaians uses a toilet or something. Yeah. I saw it on television. Yeah. <laughs> you statistics, then you start to know the true state of where everything is. You will never be happy in your church as a pastor. Praising yourself. When you start looking at the statistics, you will shut up and be so quiet and pray for the help and the mercy of God. Yeah. So this is all that I'm saying to you. that I want, I want more laborers to work. Yeah, let's be happy, but let's work. Amen. The last reason why we must have a big church is because it is a biblical example. The Bible, all the churches have thousands of members. Thousands. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts 2, 41. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all on that day, Act 241. 3,000 members came to join the church. Why can't we have at least a 1,000? 
I'm asking you a question. Why can't we have a thousand? If three thousand joined in one day, then this week at the crusade, we should be able to have a thousand members joining the church. Acts chapter 4 verse 4. Many of the people who heard the message believed it. So that the number of the believers totaled about 5,000 men. Wow. So you see that in the Bible, how were they counting? Hundreds or tens? Thousands. So it means we have not even started doing the church. Because we have not yet counted 1,000. Number eight, we must have a big church because having a mega church means that more souls have been won. More souls have been won. Amen. We are going to have a big church and a mega church. Amen. Because it means that more souls have been won. Because who are the people in the church? They are the people, they are the souls who have been won who are now in the church. Is that not so? They are the souls who have been won to God and are now in the church. How many have been won before you were? Were you won? How were you won? You gave your life to Christ. Huh? You were invited to the church. And then there was an altar call when I gave my life to Christ in the church. Wow. You came forward and gave your life to Jesus. What about you? What, what was your name? Alice. Come, Alice. Did you have, you have you been won to the Lord? When were you won? How were you won? I was won in a dream. In a dream? Hey! Salvation through dreams. And, and what happened in the dream? In the dream, I had gone to church, but I left and I went home and I was cleaning. Then you knocked on my door and asked, her, what am I doing home? And I said, Bishop, I've been there. And you said, you've been there. I called you not to have been there, but for you to be there. Then I started coming to church again. Wow. Wow. She was one through a dream. And through the dream, she's in church. So, I was witnessing in the air at the time. (laughs) This is what we call air witnessing. Air witnessing. Hallelujah. Are you still around? Are you sure you are still here? So how many have been won? Have you been won? How were you won? Um, For me it was more of a turn around. A turn around? Yeah. Okay, is there anybody who has been won? Yeah. You were won? Yes. How were you won? Um... For me, I wasn't serious, but then when I became serious, then I gave my life to Christ fully. I came to church and I lifted your hands and you came forward. Yeah. Not not too many preachers. Are you part of the camp? Sit down, concentrate, take off the jacket. We are relaxed here, okay? (laughs) Too much tension. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Yeah. Have you been one? You are one. Rosina, come and tell me how you are one. I was also not serious. I was joking while in SS and everything. And I came to church. and, and the Somebody invited you to church? Yeah, somebody invited me to church. Wow. Then I followed. 
and I came and I lifted my hands and gave my life to you. You came forward? No, I didn't come forward. But you lifted your hand, but you yes. didn't come forward. Yes. So some of the people who lift their hand, but don't come, they are still getting saved. Yeah. And what about you? You were one? It was a holiday. My friends and I were on our way to the beach. And I told you that whatever is in the world, we can have it in the church. Yes. Then I met a gentleman by our gate, and then he invited me. There was an outreach in Cathedral. So he, the outreach was somewhere in our area. So he invited me, and my friends and I went to. It was like a holiday. They played songs. They preached the word of God. They danced. They had food to eat and all that. And then it was Reverend Fabian, and then he made an altar call. I was on my way out when he made the altar call. Then he asked them to lock the gate. He asked them to lock the gate. He asked them to lock the gate. And that he felt that I needed to give my life to Christ. My friends and I, that if only the two of us gave our life to Christ, God had a reason for us. So nobody should allow us to go out. That they should engage us. And then when they made the altar call, I gave my life to Christ. That thing. And I came ah. to church. You. He was one. He was also one. Give him the mic. I, I, was, I, was in a, I was born in a Christian home. We used to go to church and all that, but I was not serious. When I, when, when I came to Ghana again, and um, I had some friends who were all going to Lighthouse. And they, one day I was escorting one to church. And I asked, why are you always going to church? They said, you come and you'll see why we're always going to church. So when I went there, I sat at the back, and LP Lulu was preaching. <laughs> and when she finished, she made an altar call, and I raised my hand up, and I wanted to come and give my life to Christ and rededicate my life to Christ. And I walked to the front, and I said the sinner's prayer, and I'm here. <laughs> so amazingly, many people who are in a church have been warned. Yeah, that is why the larger the church, it means more one people. Yeah. So, it's a good vision for a church to have a big church. Because at, at the more, you'll be surprised each person has a different story of how he or she came to be in the house of the Lord. And you, you, you'll be surprised that it is in this era of your youngness, youthfulness, when you are young, this is the time that something can happen easiest and best in your life. So, this is, this is uh, uh, honestly, to, to win a thousand people to be sitting in the church is a small vision. But it's going to be our vision and God is going to use us to accomplish it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Number nine. We must have a big church because when there is a big church or mega church, all right, there are more laborers. Laborers. Amen. Because if there are more members, then there are more laborers. Isn't it? Because let's say, let's say, some, only some people have come for the camp. You see, those who have come for the camp to me are the laborers. The rest are members. Isn't it? Uh-huh. So if we had had a church which had 1,000 people, maybe there may have been 
twice the number of people here at the camp. That means that there will be more workers, more laborers. So when the church is the the church is like the size that shows you the size of everything else. Do you get what I'm saying? The size of the church shows you the size of everything else within the church. So it shows you the size of the workers and the size of the laborers. Amen. Number 10. Through a mega church, we're going to have more ministers of the gospel. More ministers. More people are going to become ministers of the gospel. How many want more ministers of the gospel or more politicians? You want more, more politicians? More boyfriends? How about one more boyfriends? More girlfriends? More prostitutes? More DJs? More drug dealers? More thieves? More arm robbers? No. More a church produces ministers. Ministers of the gospel. Okay? So a good church, and that's why a lot of you are going to become ministers. Oh yeah, that's your future. I said that is your future. That is your future. You are likely to become a minister. If you are, if you are sitting here, you are likely to become a minister of the gospel of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, what a blessing. Yeah. But think about it if you were not here. You have been arrested at MPP Youth. NDC Youth. And before you realize, you are doing so many things. Number 11. We must have a mega church because more people are involved in prayer when there is a mega church. Amen. Okay? More people are involved in prayer when you have a mega church. Amen. Okay? More people are involved in prayer when you have a mega church. Because the prayer warriors become more when there is a bigger church. Okay? So we have more prayer, more prayer when there is more, more, a bigger church. Small church, you cannot have a small, a big prayer group. It's so small. And when there's more people praying, you have more prayer. Is it not amazing? Because right now, maybe our church in New Zealand is having all night. Because it's night there. And as you keep coming, India and all, there are all different levels of time. So before you realize, 24 hours there's prayer going on. Somebody's like, all night, all night, all night, the same time everywhere. It's amazing. Number 12. When you have a mega church, it's going to generate a larger crowd. And when we have a larger crowd, we have, when we have a larger crowd, we have, uh, what do you call it? More expectation. Luke chapter 3 verse 15. Johnny?
Luke 3.15 And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. So you can have expectation when there are more people, isn't it? Number 13. 13. Listen, I've been to a crusade. I once, I once went to a crusade where there were... I mean, we once, had, we once had a crusade. The whole stadium was full. I mean, I can understand why people like soccer stars. I've never been to the stadium before, but only for a crusade. But I tell you, when there's a lot of people, there's some real excitement. And they'll be singing the songs and all that. And I've been to a crusade where there was nobody there. The whole stadium was empty. Just a few people down on the ground, whatever. And this international evangelist had come from abroad with so many people. And the whole stadium was empty. And just a few people that could have just fitted, fitted into, you know, somewhere, these two halls. And there was something. So your expectation goes down. You start to now pray in a certain way. So, oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Have mercy on the crusade. What a shock. Amen. Number 14. 13. Number 13, you have more miracles. Miracles. There are more miracles when there is a large crowd and there is a larger expectation. More miracles. We're going to have miracles in the first love church. Would you like to have a miracle service in the first love church? Why not? Why not? Why shouldn't we have a miracle service? Why not? If you have more miracles in a bigger church, because there are more sick people, and there's more expectation. But if you have a few people, I mean, you will struggle. You have a headache. Okay, I need somebody with a headache or somebody with a sore throat, at least. I mean, it's not likely that anybody here is blind. It's not likely. But in the last, you get larger and larger, you get a blind person. The blindness is part of a human race. Amen. I once went to a, 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 a crusade where the ambulances were as many as the cars. <laughs> ambulances, like cars. Plenty! They brought sick people. Yeah. Expectation. Number 14, you must have a church because more evangelism is possible through a mega church. More evangelism, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to have more evangelism through a mega church. More evangelism through a mega church. We have more and more evangelism. Don't we have a Healing Jesus Crusade? Healing Jesus Crusade would not have been possible some years ago. But as the church got in bigger, it's possible to do things you could never do before. So it's a very important thing. Amen. And as the first love church gets bigger, we are going to be able to do certain things we've never been able to do before. 
You're going to see First Lab will be reaching out to Cape Coast University. Maybe we, well, maybe because of lectures or because of time, we may have to fly to Kumasi. And then, uh, the church is bigger. You see that uh, first lap, first flight, second flight, third flight. You have landed over there for a major outreach. Or maybe the first lap that we can evangelize Tamale University. I see that you are all flying there. Flight, first flight has gone, second flight, third flight. And then we are moving. Yeah. And some of you have never sat on a plane before. You see, this is an opportunity. You've only seen the plane flying over. But you've not gone inside before. Thank God. When the church is bigger, more things are possible that were only imaginations before. Yeah. Yeah. You dream about it, but when you have a big church, it is possible. Amen. Number 15. We can have a mega church because when we have a mega church, we have a larger and greater income. Money. Money is possible. More things you can do with money. Amen. Have you had your tea this morning? And some sandwiches? It, can you imagine what it costs to make all these sandwiches? And your lunch is being prepared now. I mean, this would not be possible with a poverty-stricken small church. Sit down. Some of you have never had a sandwich before. Through the grace of God, you are now tasting sandwich. So, when a church has more money, more people, there's more money. When there's more money, we can do many more. More things are possible for the church. Amen. Are you excited about that? Now, number 16. When we have a mega church, we can take care of special needs which develop within a mega church. Amen. Special Needs. Psalm 41 verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. So when we have a mega church, we can take care of special needs. And usually special needs are created by poverty. Now some of you are hungry from school. Is it not true? Yes. 
And some of our special needs of hunger could be taken care of by a mega church. So you let's pray that they become more and more when we know the laborers amongst us. You see that it may be possible more to take care of certain special needs. Just as the bigger church takes care of orphans, we take care of the blind, we take care of the beggars. Every month, we gather a certain number of beggars in Accra. And we pay, we pay beggars as a church every month. Yeah. You see the people who are begging? We look after a certain number of beggars in Accra every month. We, we, we pay them. Yeah, they know they come. And most of our beggars that we look after are, are blind. Many of them are blind. So we, we look after. It will, not, it will not be possible because it's a lot of money. Because if, if you are looking after 100 beggars, we look after about 100 beggars. If you are giving, looking after 100 beggars, and you give every beggar 50 CDs. That's 5,000. Yes. That's a lot of money. Yes. To look at, they are beggars. And they are real, really poor people that are in the world. And they cannot work. And there is no support for them from the government. These people up there. Yeah. I'm telling you. You see, I watched, I watched a film. And God touched my heart. It was a film about Congo and some cripples in Congo. And the cripples were explaining in French. They said, look, we have no choice but to beg. They said, we would die if we don't beg. We have to beg. We have no work. We have nothing. We will die if we don't. We have to beg. It's our only way to live is to beg for money. There is no job. And you see them crawling on the floor like that, moving. You know, there's no government. Nothing helps them. So these people also need to be careful. So as you grow as a church, it's possible to do what Jesus said. When I was hungry, you didn't mind me. When I was thirsty, you didn't mind me. When I was naked, you didn't mind me. When I didn't have anywhere to stay, you didn't mind me. When I was sick, you didn't mind me. Depart! Depart! So some of you complaining that you are broke, you have no idea what it means to be blind in Accra or to be a cripple in Accra and be struggling just to get something to eat. Yeah. So brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when a church gets bigger, it becomes possible for us to do these things. And we are doing them. We are making books for the blind. We are, we are supplying. No, no, no. I'm not saying for you to clap. We are making books for the blind. Do you know that the blind people in uh, Ghana, when they get to secondary school, when they get to JSS, they cannot continue because there's no book in Braille on English language science, math, there's nothing. So, we have taken upon ourselves as a church to, to, to know how to manufacture and translate the JSS book into Braille and make the books for them in the JSS. 
so that they can use it to do the basic whatever. You can never do that if you don't have money. Yes. That's why the government is there. It's they, they, their work. So they, they, they will not do it. And nobody cares about them. But when a church gets to a certain stage, the church has the capacity and the capability to do things for poor. That is why a pastor, you see, your number one goal should be that the church should be big and you should have a number in your head that the church must get to this number. Yeah. You can't just have a numberless vision. You must have a vision with a number. And when the church is bigger, there are so many things. You may think you are special needs, but when I show you the real special needs people, you say, Bishop, these ones, it's okay. I am a super rich sister in the world. Amen? How many want the church to be bigger now? Do you think that it's very important for the church to be big? Very good. Very good. Very good. You are getting the vision. Number 17. When we have a, we must have a mega church because it will show that we are making full proof of the ministry. Because the Bible says, make full proof. Full proof. You are proving it fully. That you are a real, spiritual, good church. Amen. Amen. Now, it says in Second Timothy 4 verse 5, But you... Keep your eye on what you are doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servants. Second Timothy 4, 5 from the Message Bible. Second Timothy 4, 5. Or the King James says, make full proof of your ministry. In other words, do it fully. So when you have a big church, you wish you have done the church fully. You have done the church to the end of the end. You have taken it to the ultimate, to the logical conclusion. You have made full proof of it. You've not done it half-heartedly. That is why I came into full-time ministry. Because I wanted to make full proof of my ministry. I wanted to do it fully. All out. I didn't want to have partly done church or something I'm doing half and half. At the point I said, no, I need to make full proof of my ministry. I need to do it fully and go to the logical conclusion of the road that I have started working on. The logical conclusion. And there's no other logical conclusion that I should give myself fully to what I'm doing. And it's not as though there were many people. If I had had even all of you in those days, I would have even, even uh, not needed faith. Not, I wouldn't have needed faith. But just a few people in my church, like this, and I said that I was living medicine, living everything, so that I could be a pastor, to give myself fully to what I have decided already to do. I started as a young man, I persisted in the same work up to today. I'm still doing it. I have no regret. And I'm preaching the same things that I was preaching. Number 18. We must have a big church because in a mega church there are more beloveds. More beloveds. Acts 4.33 For there was not a needy person among them. Not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds to the, to the 
bring the proceeds of the sales. Amen. When there is a mega church and a big first love church, there are going to be more beloveds. Wow. There will be no shortage of beloveds. Take it one. Why? Because every type of person will have your beloved in the church. Listen. Listen to me. Everybody has a type that he or she would prefer. Is it true or is not true? Wouldn't you have prefer somebody, particular kind of person? Yeah. When the church is small, your type may not be in the church. That's a fact. That's a fact. Your type may not be in the church. One day, our church was very small. And there was a sister in the church. A fair-colored, beautiful girl. And one day I asked her, Sister so-and-so, why are you not getting married? Get married. I told her, get married. As if I, I, you can do it by force. Why are you not getting married? Get married. And she said, she lifted up her, she has a way of lifting up her nose. Mm. She lifted up her nose. She lifted up her nose and her cheeks in a way and said, hmm, my type is not in the church. My type is not in the church. What a shock. So, because I was a pastor of a very small church, I grew wild. And I started to blast her. I said, who do you think you are? What do you mean? What type are you? What do you mean by your type? And the way she said, my type. Hmm. My type is not in the church. I said, never say that again. You are proud. You are too proud. I don't like your attitude. And I rebuke her. Totally and completely. And then I left her. But when I went away, I thought about it. And I realized that it was true. Her type was not in the church. Because a new church that has been started by a young medical student, doctor, even with just some Students from a Veneza secondary school and other people around. You know, it's like 
And she was this type. She had gone to London. She had gone to do masters and this and that. And, and she had come with her new bag and her new dress. Mm, my type is not in the church. Wow. One day, I came to church and I finished preaching. And after preaching, my wife used to give me some groundnuts and chips. Yeah, it was my favorite with minerals after preaching. So one day, there was no groundnut and chips. So I called and I said, my darling wife, where are the groundnut and chips? And she said, the lady who makes the groundnut and chips has left the church. I said, why? And she told me exactly, she said that her type is not in the church. Because she was an older she was not like sophisticated, what, what have you, but she was a bit older. And when she looked at the church, she was like a giraffe with antelopes that was looking over the heads of the antelopes. So she was above. <laughs> so she couldn't see her type in the, in the church when she looked around. There was no of that age group. <laughs> she was like a giraffe that was looking over antelopes were down. On the field. So, the lady with the gun, and since then, up till today, I've never eaten that gun and chips again. But you see, if there is a mega church, whether you are old or young, because some of you, you are in the university, but you are old. Yeah. yeah. You are in the university, but you are old. So, the people who can marry you, even in the first chapter, they are fewer. Yeah. Because of your age. Because even though you say first year, but it's about fifth year. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the time that you came to the school. <laughs> Are you listening? But when you have a mega church, all ages, we have your type in the church. One day, a certain brother called me. He said, Bishop, I have a vision. I said, a vision for what? He said, I want to marry a white lady. I said, really? She said, I don't want to marry anybody from Ghana. I don't want to marry what I want to marry a white lady. I said, no problem. We have white ladies in different branches. We can see if we can get one for you. One day, I did an altar call. I said, all those who are not married and who want to be married, come to the front. Come. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you. So, by that time, I was standing here. So, I turned around to go to the stage. So, I walked to the stage. And they started coming, coming, coming. So when I turned around, I almost fell down because, because I was shocked. Because I thought that I would see only Young ladies. 
old students and young girls standing in the front. So my shelter were the those with the the cloth, the mama, the aunties. All of them have come to the front now. Those who want to be married come to the front. I was shocked. So since then I've never made such an altar call. If I if I may, I will give a certain age, below 35, below 30. And I saw the elderly grandmothers and aunties all. That is when I realized that the girls really like marriage. And really like boys, no matter how old they are. So, one day we had a wedding in the church. The bride groom was 72 years old. And the bride, she was 65. With her white dress, was coming down smiling at me. I said, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Hey! But it was her dream. And it was happening. Her type was 72. Yeah. Her time was And he also was not interested in these little, little girls. He didn't want 24, 26, 28. He wanted his type. Some, a lady in her 60s. Wow. I see your type in the first love church. By the time you are going out of the first love church, you see that God has sent your type into the church. Receive it one. Receive it two. Receive it three. And receive it four. Do you want a mega church? Number 19. You must have a mega church. Because in a mega church there are going to be more marriages and weddings. Not every beloved dosis ends in a marriage. Yes. So when we have a big church, we have opportunity for serial beloved doses in case of beloved doses failure. Yeah. Yeah. In case of a beloved doses failure, there can be a second, a God of a second chance. God of a second chance will give you a second opportunity. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Go, go away, go away. The Bible says, and the Lord called unto Jonah the second time. The second, God is the God of a second chance. It's the God of a second chance. So, not all beloved doses goes all the way to marriage. Some even during the engagement. Some at the wedding. I've been to, I've been for a wedding where some people came to the wedding instead of carrying handbags. Have you seen this, uh, Azar paint? Have you seen Azar paint gallons? They came with it full of palm nut oil soup. Uh, palm, palm nut oil. Is that what they call it? Palm oil. Yeah. Full. So they came and sat down in the church 
with a instead of handbags. As I pick. As I pack. They were waiting for the bride. So that when she comes, they will take the palm or a point on her. I had come, I had come to officiate the wedding. I was wearing my suit and everything. And we saw that the palm nut oil members, Azar, they were waiting. So the, the bride ran away. And the wedding didn't come on. Yeah. It did not end in marriage. So it's not every beloved doses that ends in marriage. So we need a larger church so that if one beloved who used to sit here doesn't work, we can try somebody at the other end of the church. Give the Lord a shout! Go back to your seat. Listen. Sometimes, sometimes you see that somebody comes near you but he doesn't propose. Have you seen that one too? That is what we call almost beloved So sometimes you can have about two or three almost beloved before you have the beloved one and two before marriage. Sit down, sit down. That is why I'm telling you, we must have a mega church. When we have a mega church, even when your heart is broken, something inside you will tell you that. I have a hope. Because I'm in a mega church, God will raise up somebody else and send the person to my life. Maybe your future husband is in TF Hotel right now. Yes. He's waiting for us to come and have a carnival. When we come there, he will come forward and give his life to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Now he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. I said he's waiting. He's waiting for you and me to pull ourselves together and arrive and sing and dance and preach and pray for him to be saved. Yes. It's waiting. One day I had a vision. I saw a man sitting in a sitting room with glass, win- glass windows and doors. Very posh. With carpets. There was a carpet and he had folded his leg and he was drinking whiskey with a cigar. And he was alone because he was lonely. Sometimes these very successful people, they, are, they become lonely. They don't have husband, wife, they don't have anything, children. They have this gone, disappeared. They're just alone in their sadness. And the Holy Spirit said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, this man is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come and talk to him. I will never forget, I always remember him. He's waiting. Sometimes your husband is waiting. Sometimes your best friend is waiting. Sometimes even your employer is waiting. Even somebody may be your pastor or your wife. They are all waiting. If you just pull yourself together 
and arise. You'll be surprised at what the Lord will do. So, the mega church, you don't know what is in it. You don't know what is in it. God is going to bless us in the mega church. Your heart will never, even your heart is broken. It will be a three weeks break. After three weeks of vacation, your heart will be fully back on the road. Give the Lord a shout of hallelujah. Sit down. Number 20. Do you want a mega church to be real? Number 20. We must have a mega church because there are more contacts and connections through the people in a mega church. Amen. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, Amen? As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. This particular point works best in Africa. Because Africa is a connection continent. Africa is a connection place. Yeah. Nothing works in a straightforward way. It's by connection. Who you know and who knows you. That is how it works. And that's how it is in Africa. And that's where we are. So it means that the mega church is more important in Africa than anywhere else. One day, I was in Nigeria, in Abuja. And I was on an aeroplane coming to Ghana, uh, coming to Lagos. The plane started. You see, the, the doors close before the engine starts. There is a noise you, uh, you hear in an aeroplane. Those of you who have not been in an aeroplane, you, you will soon hear it. Take it once. Sit down, sit down. There is a noise when the plane is parked on the tarmac. That noise is from the auxiliary power unit. Do you understand? Auxiliary power. It's not the engine. The engine is not on. When they close the doors, then they switch on the engine. They switch on the right. 
Then after the teacher on the left, so you hear a little, very little, you not feel it much. And then they put on the engine. Before they'll get signal from the control tower, you can go. Before they move. They even have to get permission to put on the engine. Everything, permission, 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 before you do, obey, 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 before you go. While there was in the place, they have finished closing the doors, put on engine right, engine left, plane started moving. We were moving now. Brakes. Yeah. I've never been in a plane that has been stopped before. Uh, only in Connection Town. Connection Town. The plane stopped. Hey! Suddenly, the engines off, I think, they must have turned the engines off, opened the door, brought the uh, staircase back, and a man in a big white boo-boo came walking up majestically, majestically up the plane. And we were sitting in the plane. I was sitting in the business class. And the plane was full. As soon as he entered, somebody got up. Sir! Sir, yes, sir! Get him the chair. And I don't know whether he went to stand at the back. <laughs> I said, yes. And I looked out of the window and I saw a hammer driving away from the tarmac. This is power to stop aeroplane like taxi. You call them and say, I'm here. Tell them to stop. I'm going. Yeah. Connection town. Connection continent. If you like, stay here without a mega church. You'll never understand Africa. Yeah, that is why those who stay abroad for a long time, they cannot come back to Ghana. Or Nigeria. They don't understand it. Here we go by connection. Who do you know? And who knows you in the system? Whether it is a school or whether it is what? My daughter was telling me, she said that in her school, they have those who came by different means. The headmistress has decided that Instead of allowing the connection to be so bad, what they are going to do now is that they are calling protocol. Protocol students. Yeah, it's a nice name. So everybody who comes to the school, they put your name on a list. These are your grades. How you came to the school. Then they, after that, not there's connection. Even in the SM Council, Computer, they have started spoiling it. That's why, if I, if I was the president, one of the first things is to disconnect from West African Exam Council. The first step, they have nothing to do and adopt French or British uh, educators and throw away something as useless as JSS and SSS. It's true. It has no value. If you like, go with WASI or whatever. When they say, what is WASI? They, they, they don't even respect it. There's nothing UK anywhere. They don't accept it anywhere. Yeah. Only that it shows you can speak English and that is all. Even the computers. There are people who you didn't come earlier, I would have changed it in the computer and then your child that is why people get ten A's, they don't get school. Ten A's, eight A's, ten A's, they can't get it to any school. You see, when you are detached, you never know what is happening really. You are detached. So now in the school, they have protocol lists. 
So you know that after they've come to school, both the Kululu and the connection in the thing, they have what they call justify your inclusion exam in the school. So we have justify your inclusion exam marks. So everybody is there. And then those who came by protocol, they also have protocol. So they say the, the school will be there, then you'll see. School has started on two weeks. Somebody is now coming with the truck. And someone, this is a protocol child who is coming to school. Is it true? What school did you go to? Huh? Agri Memorial. You have protocol here. Fully, fully crap. Where? NTC Kolebu. Where? And which school? That's a Kendrick school. Nunsek. And which school? Medical school. Medical school. Don't say medical school. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. You see, protocol is arriving with his troubles and drugs. Minister of Moon and Stars. Child is coming to school, medical school, without, without exam results. Connection continent. Connection city. Connection town. Here we are. If you like, say you don't understand. Hey! Who do you know? And who knows you? It's very important in Africa. <laughs> University of Ghana. Connection University. To get what? A room. Even to get a room, there, there's protocol list. To get a room, Hila Liman, everywhere, Gales Kapon, protocol. They get their rooms first before those who pay get their rooms. Come on now, Connection Town. <laughs> so, that is why we need to have a mega church. So that when it's time for your child to go to school, you can pick your phone and call and say, Oh, Charlie! You are now the registrar. Lisa, what's your name? Diane. Diane will call. Lisa, Lisa, my daughter is coming over. Lisa will say, Oh, yeah, what's her name? Her name is Araba Lucy. Okay. So, Charlie Lisa. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. It was even today that I was going to write all the protocol students. So I'll write, I'll write you. Wow. Connection town. And it's going to get worse. Yeah. As the political parties stay longer, when they get, especially if they get a second term, the connection becomes worse. When they, when they go out after one term, they are shocked. And those who come, they need time to establish their tentacles all around. Yeah, that's what has happened in Ghana over the last term. They get the second term, the challenge, the connection will be more. You need connection for water, connection for lights, connection for school, connection for everything. <laughs> Sit down. Those of you who are young, Surgery. If you go for surgery, there is protocol list. And if, if, if you come for admission before, like you are there and the protocol people like, emergency immediately, they've gone. And you will still be lying there. You have paid your bills. You've got everything ready for surgery. But you, you are... Connection hospital. 
So that's why you'll be happy to know all these doctors. And he said, oh, Charlie, Gerardo, Charlie. Charlie, how? Oh, Charlie's my child, oh. <laughs> hey, I'm So, so ladies and gentlemen, sit down, please. You people are too rowdy. <laughs> Connections. Hey. Number 21. You must have a mega church because in a mega church, there is a large pool of employers who can employ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have employers. Remember on Sunday, somebody gave a testimony about a job because that person, she called him. And then when he came, then he had a job. So that testimony shows you that the mega church is already working for employment in the first love mega church. What a shock. Number 22, you must have a mega church. Now listen, look at the scripture. Hmm. Acts 4.32. It says, Acts 4.32. See, all these things are in the Bible. Connections are in the Bible. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Yeah. So if it's doing good, Christians are encouraged to be connection men for Christians. Christian connections. Do good, but especially household of faith. That's how always are. They do good, but especially unto the household of Away. <laughs> true or not true? <laughs> they do good, but especially to the household of Airways, your bros. True or not true? So we have to learn from them. And we have to transfer to Christianity. And your Christian brother, the blood of Jesus, is thicker than the blood of Amethewebler. Yes! It's thicker than the blood of Zomelo. Hey! Is thicker than the blood of Jokoto. It's thicker than the blood of Tamako. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of Beho. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of Chikata. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of Apalu. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of Agbosu. (laughs) 
is Woyome also from that place. Woyome's blood is thinner than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood of Woyome. Please sit down. You people are standing up too. Listen. Eh? We are supposed to do good. But especially. So my Christianity is more than my family. That, that's what it's supposed to be. Your Christian relationship is supposed to even supersede your blood, tribal, and national blood. Yes. But there are some of us our traditional family tribal blood is so strong. Even one day I remember a certain sister we were having follow up. So we shared the converts. Then they were having their group meeting, group meeting, group meeting, group meeting. Then one day a sister stood up and said, she challenged one sister. She said, why? Why is it that you are sharing all the airways to yourself? Because she was an airway. So she was sharing all the airway convert to herself. And all the other non-airways were being separated as goats. So she stood up. It wasn't something we did. I'm just telling you what happened. At the cathedral at the back, after they were having follow-up meetings, she stood up and challenged her openly. What are you doing? I've said, I've been sitting in this fellowship watching. Why? <laughs> Why? You are doing good to the household of Airway more than the household of Christ. So try so that your pestle blood, you see, will be less than the blood of Jesus. It's natural. Me too, when I see half cast, I feel a certain affinity because, yeah, I feel oh, these people, they are just like me. They are my brothers. In Ewenland, we are called Yovuvi. Yovuvi? I'm a Yovuvi? Is it not true? Yovuvi? I'm a Yovuvi? It means white baby. But you must not allow that to overrule. Amen. Otherwise I would have been looking for a half-caste pastor to be my assistant. And then a half-caste wife. Hey! What a shock. Or at least a fair-colored wife. I was reading you. You, have, you see, you are not. Let, I have read that one to your household. Galatians six ten, number twenty one. You must have a mega church because of employers, isn't it? And that one is Acts four thirty two. And the congregation of those that believe were one heart and one soul. None of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own. All things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were given witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. 
age. For all who were owners of land or houses will sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. Connections. You see, if I want you to have a beloved, if I want you to have a beloved, do you understand what I'm saying? I'll say it again. If I want you to have a beloved, you will have a beloved. Yeah. Because I also have some connections that I have. Yeah. Occasionally I use those connections. Occasionally. It depends. So everybody has his power. So some of you, maybe one of one, one some of you be president. You may be this, you may be that. Remember. Remember. So this is my first love, Pastor. Come. Instead of so you now say, well, I'm Presbyterian. You are Presbyterian now. You are not Presbyterian. All the time you were first lapsed, now you suddenly, because you are the president now, you have become a Presbyterian. Wonderful. Wonderful. You are now in EP Church. Number 22, we are finishing. You must have a mega church because all the needs, all the needs, everything you need will be solved in the church. The Bible says they had all things in common. All things. All things. Oh, when I see that you don't have shoes and I realize that I have more shoes. I say, oh, sister, come. What are you wearing? Come, let me see your What slippers are these? Ah! Oh, this one, I don't know whether it's Taiwan or China or what. Togo. Togo shoes. And then I'll say, no, sister, take it, receive. I'll send you a, a shoe. All things in common. No, I'm not going to send her shoes. It's just an example. I cannot be supplying the members in the church with shoes. Have you seen me sharing shoes before? I share anointing and blessing, not shoes. Go back, go back, go back. Look, we have not yet started the camp. We have not yet started the camp. So please, you need to be serious. Number 23. You must have a mega church because a mega church is more likely to accomplish our 25% biblical quota of souls. 25% biblical quota. 25% biblical quota. That's our quota. 25%. Where do I get that from? Matthew 4, Mark 4, Luke 4, the story of the parable of the sower. He went out and he sowed four types of seed. Some fell on rocky ground, some fell by the wayside, some fell among thorns. Isn't it? But one out of the four, isn't it? Is it not true? Matthew 13, when he had sowed, some fell by the wayside, stony place, thorns, others fell into good ground. So 25% goes to where? Wayside. Write it down. 25% to the wayside. 25% of all our seed go to the wayside. Then 25% to stony places. Upon stony places. That's how much? 
Then another 25% fell among thorns. That is 75%. And some fell on good soil. Isn't it? Good ground. And brought forth food. So only 25% works. So now if you say there are 25,000 students on campus, what is 25% of 25,000? 6,250. That is the quota that should be in the church on Sunday morning. 6,250 people should be in church on Sunday morning on campus. And there's nothing like that on campus. At all. When you add all the churches, there's nothing like that. You see? So, we are saying that, okay, yeah, we won't even save everybody. But let us have, that we have sown so much seed that the 25% that should work has worked. And the rest which was stony, we have left it. The rest which was thorns, we have left it. The left which fell by the wayside, we have left it. But there is 25% that should have worked. So if we have truly evangelized from Commonwealth Hall to Alex Quapon, to TF Hostel, Evandi Hostel, Pentagon, all of them, if we have done our work, at least 25% should be saved. What do you think? Is it fantastic? Is it amazing? Are we going to accomplish the vision? How many agree with me that we can have 1,000 children of God in the church. And that is our aim. They may see us laughing. They may see us dancing. They may see us going for a camp. They may see us moving around. And they think we are joking. Yeah. There is a great evangelist called Charles Feeney. You know, many years ago when he came on the scene, people said, fun. He's, he's preaching. We can understand it. You know, he doesn't shout. He explains. But he was a lawyer. And they were amazed that they could understand. So sometimes people don't understand the style. They feel that, oh, this is not real work of God. This is the work of God. We are serious. How many know that we are dead serious? We are dead serious. And that's why we are having this coming. As we go into the crusade and as we continue, Sunday after Sunday, persisting, Preaching, evangelizing, calling. Our aim is that God should build a mega church. A mega church means more souls have been won. More workers, more ministers are going. More prayer, more beloved, more everything, more income. Anything that is good for a church, there is more of it when there is a mega church. And it's the good vision that we should have. And so that must be burning in our hearts. That Lord, we want to see 1,000 chairs. We arrange 1,000 chairs on a Sunday morning. From in to out, everywhere. We are coming, surroundings. We are listening to the word. It's possible. God can do it. It's not by might. It's not by power. And it will happen practically. And you see that something good will be in it for you. Because there's always something good in a mega church. Everybody gets a blessing out of the mega church. There is nobody who is involved in church. You, there, there is nothing you will ever be involved in church which will never not be beneficial for you. Let me tell you, listen, it's been some years since I've been doing this. Eh? I can tell you that 
the mysterious thing about church is that somehow it affects things you are not you are not even concerned about today that are a problem. They will all be affected by the work you are doing now, the church. Yeah. That's how it is. All your life will be affected by church. Yeah. How you think, your life, your future, your marriage, your children, anything, your finances, everything will be influenced by church. Yeah. You see, if you are not in this camp, you'll be in another camp. Yeah. Yeah. You see, Hitler, Hitler, have you heard of Hitler? He was a corporal in the army, the First World War, fighting. Within, within, with him, in that army, were different people. And some of the most wicked people who worked with Hitler, we call them Hitler's henchmen. They are people who were with him, but in different places working, but they all had similar ideas. So as he moved forward, we have people who, even lawyers, who did not believe in, in the law, who did not believe in democracy. And they, they, they tried, one of the people that was with him was a judge, a lawyer who became a judge, and he was, he was like a murderer. In fact, when he died, his family changed their name. His wife and child, they changed their name to disconnect the memory of their father. For the wickedness that when he's drilling somebody who, who is committed a crime and is going, probably going to be killed, you see how he would dress soldier and the man would be crying. He said, why are you crying? This was the whole court. He would drill the man. So what did you do? You did it, whatever, isn't it? You see this. Why are you crying? The crown he'll be crying. And he knows that the man is condemned. They'll drill him publicly and humiliate them. Man of the shout so that they couldn't even play, the, play it on television, the things he was saying. Yeah. Frightened the people and killed them two hours after he was executed them. All these kind of people were together in a group with Hitler, Goebbels, his propaganda secretary, and the people he could speak and convince the people all the time. So what I'm trying to say is that if you are not in this group, you'll be in another group. You can be in the NPP group. You'll be with this type of Ashanti whole type of people and you'll be one of the real accounts who are really whatever in the system and it's like who believe that yes you must be around you must be in charge and so on yeah you be in that group and you have a lot of sex you have a lot of intersexual interrelations money corruption all kinds of things that's you'll be in that group or you can be in the NDC group who are also another type of group with similar type of sex, this, that, all kinds of things, corruption, what have you. It's just a group. You can choose the church group as your group. You can choose the church group as your group. And the group that you choose will come out in the end to affect everything you are doing in this world to the end of your life. It's a group that you are choosing. You are choosing the right group to be in. And that right group will be the group you'll be in to the end of your life. And thank God. Thank God. Thank God that you are choosing the right group. Amen. You can choose a socialist group when you are on campus. Any, any group. They are all the communists. I mean, Nazis. They are all present. CDRs. Number 24. You might have a mega, a mega church 
Because a mega church is a force to reckon with and it becomes a nation within a nation. We will be a nation within a nation. Amen. Are you there? And number 25. We must have a mega church because the glory of the end time church will be greater than the glory of the early church. The glory of this latter house. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. So what should you tell me after I've given you 25 solid reasons? Thank you. Thank you. Tell somebody, thank you. Thank you. You must tell me what is in Numbers 13, verse 30. That's what you should tell me. What is in Numbers 13, verse 30. That's what you should say. Numbers 13, verse 13. Verse 30. What does it say? Numbers 13, verse 30. Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Say thank you. Yes. This is what you should tell. I've told you after I've finished my 25 reasons. You should have said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. Let us go up at once. Yes. Let, us, let us rise and enter the campus. And bring people to Jesus Christ. For we are well able to overcome it. Is it not amazing? Is it not fantastic? Let us go up at once. When? 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 Anything you don't do at once, it becomes different. Anything you don't do at once, it changes. You see, you doctors, I started to change your things on Sunday. I sent you. You didn't go at once. So now we are changing. Yeah. At once. Let us go up at once. For we are well able to possess it. Look, God is going to use us to win a lot of people to Him. And when you finish the school, you will never stop being used by God to win people to Him. You will never be bored in this life again. I said you will never be bored in this life again. Say so now, even some of you ladies, you are going to say, I'm going to have less, fewer children. So that I can concentrate on my first love. Yeah. I want less children. So that I can focus. Yeah. One or two. I said one or two. So that I can focus. On the ministry. And have thousand children of God. 
Wow. Is it not amazing? Is it not fantastic? Wonderful. All right. Now, what do we need? What do we need for this mega vision? We need the anointing. 